Our gospel reading for today's worship is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning in the 13th verse. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is it, this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that, it was, that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went into the stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us when he was talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come into the gospel text today, I find it striking that we would go on a walk with these two confused and disappointed disciples and Jesus. After all, aren't walks so important for us these days? I was listening to a comedian on YouTube talk about that when she did a spoof and talked to herself in the past and said, in preparation for this COVID-19, she told herself, walks will be clutch. Well, friends, this walk is clutch. This walk with Jesus, these disciples are transformed because of that walk, transformed because of their encounter with Jesus. Finally, in that meal, as he appears to them, this walk will be clutch for you and I. Even as we walk through disappointment, and all of us, isn't it interesting how together we're all walking through disappointment on these days? It's all kinds of levels, isn't it? From annoyance and inconvenience to heartache with job loss and difficulty and where am I going to get my next meal? 
to absolute tragedy with a loss of loved ones. Wherever you are on that spectrum of disappointment, just as Jesus didn't leave those unbelieving disciples on the road by themselves in their loss, he doesn't leave you there alone either. He comes on this walk with us and gives us a new perspective and gives us an understanding like they had never had before. And I pray as the Holy Spirit works through his word with you today, you'll get a new understanding of who Jesus is and what that means for how to live this life as well. Theologians and particularly literary, literary uh, critics, as they come to this text, tell us that this testimony has a ring of truth to it. Here's your first quarantine word of the day, verisimilitude, or ring of truth, this verisimilitude that literary critics talk about in this text. Why? Because who would make up a story wanting to convince folks that Jesus had risen from the dead and say, well, these two eyewitnesses, well, they didn't recognize him for seven miles. It doesn't make sense that you'd make that up unless that actually was how it happened. And notice how Jesus sticks with these unbelievers and he keeps coming after them. And friends, he keeps coming after you as well. And it wasn't the data of his physical presence in their face that transformed them. It was, as one scholar put it, the intertwining of the reality, the historical reality with theological reflection that changed everything for these two disciples. Scientists, I think, will note it's not just the data, it's interpreting it correctly that's important. And so it's not that the historical evidence for Jesus and his resurrection aren't important. It's that what really brings us to faith is God's word. And as we see, as he comes at the end of this testimony, the breaking of the bread. And so in the word and sacrament, they become the key for us to understanding history, understanding God's word, and understanding life itself. Let me show you what I mean. Cleopas was confused. These two disciples were disappointed. It was Easter Sunday, and they didn't believe the testimony that they'd heard, that Jesus was resurrected, that the tomb was empty. And these two unbelieving disciples were walking back to Emmaus. Because, you know, they even said to Jesus in verse 21, we'd hope that he'd be the one to redeem Israel. That word redeem literally means to free from slavery. His perspective was all about their current circumstance. His perspective was about being freed from Roman rule. His perspective was economic and political independence. And those things are critical and important. But Jesus came to do so much more. And so as Jesus unpacked what was going on with a new interpretation, a new theological key for them to understand what was really happening, that word in verse 25 where Jesus says he interprets the Old Testament 
and what was going on there with himself is where we get the word. Now, here comes your next quarantine word for the day, hermeneutic. It becomes the key for us to understanding what's going on in life, the key for us to understanding what's going on in God's word. Jesus himself is the key. He unlocks our reality. And so that we can live in this broken world with all of its difficulties, despite whatever circumstance we may be facing, from annoyance to heartache to tragedy, with Jesus as the linchpin, as Jesus as the hermeneutic key to understanding life, to understanding our history with his. And as Jesus does that, friends, their hearts begins to burn by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as their hearts burn, they begin to be transformed and they move to invite Jesus into their home and ultimately into their hearts. Noted mathematician and scholar Blaise Pascal, a brilliant man at the young age of 16, he'd written some of his most incredible mathematic breakthroughs. This scholar and mathematician and, and just brilliant man had some of his most incredible successes, but he also experienced all kinds of heartache as well. As a young boy, he lost his mother. As a young man, he lost his father. And it wasn't until he as an agnostic, finally encountered Jesus as the Holy Spirit came to him. That he writes that there was a fire in his heart and he spent the remainder of his days defending and proclaiming the good news of the gospel and teaching to others who Jesus really is. That's what happened to these two disciples. After finally encountering Jesus in his word and in the breaking of the bread, they couldn't help but stay quiet. They ran back to Jerusalem to proclaim the good news that they had now discovered. The circumstances hadn't changed, but in light of the culminating key of who Jesus is, everything changed. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work in your life this day through his word. And that as you come to this table of grace, that you would encounter the real Jesus as he appears to us in the bread and in the cup. And as he does that, I pray that you wouldn't just welcome into your, him into your home today. You'd welcome him into your heart. And as you welcome into your heart, I pray like these disciples, I pray like Blaise Pascal, that you would be changed and not help but be able to go and tell the good news of the gospel, whether you share it during these quarantine days on your walks in your neighborhood or in your home or through the internet. And then when we're finally released to share the gospel with all those around us, I pray it's so for you today that you would experience that kind of transformation. Another scholar, theologian, famous Boltman, said that the early church expected to meet Jesus in meals. And they expected it because he said in his word, this is my body, this is my blood. And so come expecting 
as we meet Jesus in the word who became flesh, meet Jesus now in this holy sacrament with his real presence to come and light a fire in your life, in your heart, regardless of the days of disappointment that we may be walking through with the hope of the resurrection, the hope with that interpretive linchpin key of Jesus himself looking at history, the evidence understood, the data unlocked, the scriptures finally revealed in Jesus, in the reading of scripture, and at the breaking of bread, the risen Lord, as scholars have written before me, continues to be present. And as the word now says, is now among us. Jesus is present. Come and be transformed. Follow him in this day. Let him unlock your heart and change everything. Amen. God bless you.